Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. What I'm sharing with you about today came out of last Sunday morning service. And last Sunday morning we were, um, I guess, really honouring our bodies and um, respecting that part of us. We're spirit, soul and body and we were focusing on the body. So we had a couple of activities, one of which was to go for a walk and Linda was leading that and that's the one I participated in. So we went out, gathered on the lawn, she gave us instructions, walked down to the children's playground and um, on the way you can meditate and pray and, um, and she talked about how the fact that she really loved kind of ambling along and taking her time and I'm listening to her thinking, yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to amble along and I'm going to walk past people's houses and bless them and look at their garden and I'm going to wait outside a house and I'm just going to wait for God to speak and I'm going to pray what he tells me, Right? So I had this plan. This is what I was going to do. Then we said a prayer and Linda said, let's go. And I got this like massive surge of energy, which is unusual when you've had a wedding the night before and danced all night. I had a massive surge of energy and I had to control myself because I felt like a horse just been let out of the, the blocks to race. And I didn't want to kind of get down to the children's playground when other people hadn't gotten out of the gate here. That's a joke. I don't think I can. Um, but I just had this sense of energy and it was kind of weird. So I went down to the park. I was one of the first there because I was kind of slowing my pace a bit and everyone else got down there and everyone was sitting around you know, meditating and prayerful, and I could not sit down. So I walked around the park, and then I just took off. So I walked, what's this street here called? Yeah, I walked up Wentworth Street. I'm walking up Wentworth Street with a lot of energy, and I had these boots, and I wore them today on purpose. I was walking up Wentworth Street, and I could hear my, because there was no one in the street, I could hear my boots echoing in the street and I walked right up to the cake shop up there, top of the hill and I stood there and there's songs in my mind. I have to sing it. Okay. These boots are made for walking and that's just what they'll do and one of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you. And I thought, is that a cowboy song? But I think it's a women's lip song. Yeah, it is. I got this stupid song in my mind and I'm thinking, I'm going to walk all over, you know, I'm doing all this. So I said to, I said to the Lord, I'm at, outside the cake shop. I'm standing there and I said, okay, God, what does this mean? What do I have to do? What are you telling me through this, right? Because it's kind of weird. I normally don't trudge around with boots echoing up and down Wentworth Street. So, I want to read this scripture to you. It's kind of a cliffhanger because I'm not going to tell you just yet 
what God said. <laughs> Cliffhanger, all right. Um, okay, Acts 2. The day of Pentecost. You know, they had the anointing and they were all praying in the language of the crowd. You all know that story, right? And this is what happened. The people in the crowd said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? A very good question to ask God. Outside the cake shop, what does this mean? So he goes on, Peter answers that, and he goes on to explain who the Messiah is. And he goes right through, quoting many scriptures, explaining to the Jew, Jews who was gathered there. And then he says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were really cut. It really affected them to think that they had murdered the Christ. And they said to Peter, what will we do? Good questions. What does this mean and what will we do? Do you remember what Peter said? Remember what his answer was? When I tell you, you'll know. Repent. He said, repent, be baptised, you'll be forgiven and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when we hear the word repent in our kind of language, we, and we say it and it's okay to say it, but if I use the word I really repented of that, I'd be thinking more along the lines of, well, I saw that it was wrong and I felt really bad about it and, yeah, I need to kind of get myself fixed up with God over that whatever it is. And certainly in my early Christian days, repentance meant really say sorry as much as you possibly can and if you're lucky, God might forgive you. But just keep on repenting. But that's not what the word actually means. The word actually means change your mind. Change the way you think. So outside the cake shop... When I said, what does this mean? This is what the Lord said to me. And I'm telling you because it means you too. It means the same to you. Cheryl, you have spiritual strength. But when you come into situations, I can give you more. Just as I've given you more physical strength right now, I can give you a surge of spiritual strength whenever it is required. So my next question is, what will I do? 
And there's the answer. Repent. Change the way I think. Change the way I think about my own spiritual strength and the availability I have to have what God wants me to have. So when I went home last Sunday, I, um, I was thinking about um, the scripture in John 1. And um, if we can get that up. Oh, is that you, Becky? Very clever. <coughs> and I've highlighted that part there, children of God, children born of God. And, um, you know, I've been thinking about that all week and I can't explain it because it's so amazing that we have been born of God and we are his children. Here we have been born of our parents, but in a spiritual sense we've been born of God. We are his children. And you know the scripture that says, um, you know, um, we're new creation, old things have passed away, everything's become new. I spent a few years ago now, maybe an hour or more studying that verse. This is what it means. That God has created us. We are a new species. Never before on the face of the earth. There was a moment in history where we entered. You can study it yourself and you'll come to the same conclusion. The word become there means to come into existence, to exist, to come into being. So we have, we have become new creations because of the cross. So we say here in this verse, yet to all who received him, and received is not a passive thing where we just sit there and close our eyes. When we received Jesus, we took hold of him. And when we believed in his name, we had faith in him. The word, I don't know if you remember any of your um, grammar lessons from school, but received and believed is the imperfect tense, which means basically what I remember is it's imperfect because it's not finished. It's a past event that keeps on happening. So we received Christ and we keep receiving him. We believe in his name, so we keep believing in his name. And because of that, we are born of God. And being born of God means we have a right. That, in some translations, it says power. We have the power to become the children of God. It actually means um, authority. It means dominion. So we have an area of influence being children of God. And I'm afraid that most of us really don't function in that, in that authority that we ha actually have. So I was thinking about, uh, you know, I had a look at that and then I was thinking about these boots. And I was thinking about those scriptures that say, 
you know, your enemies will be your footstool. Um, you know, we're going to bruise people's heads or heels, I've forgotten. Anyway, heads, I think. And I was just thinking about the word bruise. And I was thinking, you know, if, if you grabbed me and squeezed really hard, you'd probably bruise me and I'd be going, ah, stop, you're hurting me. But the pain would go away, the arm would be restored back to normal. So I was kind of thinking about that, thinking it can't mean that. The scripture can't mean that. That's kind of a bit, <coughs> bit wimpy, really. Anyway, I found this fabulous scripture, a fabulous scripture in Romans 16. I had not noticed it before. And the God of peace will swiftly pound Satan to a pulp under your feet. And I thought, that's more like it. That is more like it. And look at the kind of oxymoron we have there. The God of peace will pound Satan to a pulp. And the wonderful favour of the Lord will surround you. And the God of peace while he's pounding Satan to a pulp. I might come back to that and kind of explain a bit better. But I just thought, I just love that scripture. I'm going to be quoting that all the time now. So i just um, thinking about what did Jesus say about the devil? What did he have to say about Satan? He had quite a lot, but this is a, one of the scriptures when he was talking to the Pharisees. And here's three different translations and they all start with the same phrase. He was a murderer from the beginning. It says, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. So when we speak, we speak English. When he speaks, he speaks lies. For he is a liar and the father of lies. For he's full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of lies. He is a hater of truth. There is not an iota of truth in him. When he lies, it's perfectly normal. For he is the father of lies. Liars. So my question is, why then do we believe him? Why do we believe him when he lies? Because Jesus said he's a liar. He never, ever speaks the truth. The word devil mean, comes from a word that means throw or cast. So the word devil means like the thought thrower. He throws thoughts. And if you were here a few weeks ago, I read a list out of about 30 or something lies that over the years Satan has put in my mind. Things I believed about myself, about how I relate to other people and worse still things about God that were totally untrue. And so a process of being delivered from that had to occur. Now when I was a young Christian, I would say probably only Christian a few weeks, um, in the youth group we were in, Al and I were in, um, the guy, um, someone brought up the subject of the devil and I'd... No, like I'd, 
I was not, I didn't have a church background. But I sort of thought, oh, you know, I don't know about all this devil stuff. And the guy who answered the question, this is what he said. If you leave the devil alone, he'll leave you alone. And I thought, fantastic. Because I just got a picture of this like mad dog in the backyard, you know. And if I go out, he'll attack me. But if I don't go out, he won't attack me. Perfect. And I believed that until I started reading the Bible. And it was only a few weeks later, I was working in Sydney and I used to um, memorise a lot of scriptures in those days. And this was one I read and memorised. Now, I would say I've quoted that scripture in the first year of writing it down and memorising it. I would have quoted it maybe 200 times out aloud. Let me read it to you. I've got two versions here. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the face. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. Stand firm when he attacks. And the Passion Version says, Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with a strong, vigorous faith. Now, I want to tell you this, that the Holy Spirit teaches us and leads us. So I'm a Christian probably for less than a year and I get this scripture and I memorise it and I speak it out. Now, I want to tell you, I didn't understand any of it. I had no understanding. I didn't know what it meant to be alert. I'm not sure that I still, sometimes I wonder if I still know. I didn't know what being sober, like clearly thinking, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what, what it meant to resist him. I didn't know what it meant, I didn't know how to do it, and I didn't know how to stand firm in my faith, and I didn't know what all this stuff was about the devil walking around. We know that he walks around with full intention. It's not an idle walk. It's a walk looking for opportunities to lie to us and to pull us down, to kill, steal and destroy. And um, I want to tell you that I said that scripture over and over and over again with no mental understanding. But now I can look back and I can definitely see the process of being set free was coming about in my life, even though I had no understanding. But I knew that there was something wrong with me. There was things that I needed to be set free from. But I had not a clue, and the church I was in had not a clue, of how to go about doing that. But quoting the word of God is really the weapons of our warfare. And so, let me show you that scripture. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. 
but the weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what is a stronghold? So let me tell you from my experience of, in my own life and working with people, what I've come to see a stronghold is. A stronghold is made up of um, generational dysfunction that, you know, from our lineage, our DNA, if you want to call it that. Our, uh, add to that our own life experience. Add to that the view we have of ourselves which comes from the first two. Adding to that our defence mechanisms. Our defence mechanisms will be the weapons of the world that we use. Let me say all that again. Our strongholds uh, come from our DNA, from our generational lines of patterns that are in our family. We can see some of them. It's obvious. You just look at your family and you can see different patterns that come through generation after generation. Some are good, some are not so good. Then we have our own life experiences, which are both good and bad, but those life experiences have given opportunity to the devil to feed lies into our lives. So, like for instance, many of us will struggle with the notion that we're not good enough. That is so common. I'd be surprised if there's anyone here who hasn't thought that about themselves, and it is a lie. So our own life experiences add into that the view that we take from those two things about who we are, what we like, how we see ourselves. And we, from all of that, we will de develop defence mechanisms. The defence mechanisms are there to maintain the stronghold. So we are to demolish the strongholds. But what we do is we bring out our defence mechanisms. So what are they? The list is endless. Greed. Selfishness. Anger. Fear. Depression withdraw, all sorts of addictions, like the list is endless about, and they are the weapons of the world and the weapons of the world keep the strongholds intact. So what the scriptures tell us to do, and if you'll notice the word we is here all the time, the weapons we fight with, the we demolish arguments, we take captive. This is from the spiritual strength that God has given us, that he has already imparted to us, that we have the capacity to tear down these lies that are in our lives and that, and that influence us. There's one of the things I'll share with you that has really helped me in sorting some of this out um, is knowing the difference between fact and truth. Okay, 
How am I going to explain it? All right, so fact is I need $500. That's actually not a fact, but if you want to give me $500, that's cool. I need $500 because my car's broken down. It needs fixing. That's the fact. So our strongholds can come into play and feed our mind with a whole bunch of lies around that, about God's character, how he never does anything for me, but he's always blessing so-and-so, but I never get anything. I've prayed and a whole bunch of stuff can come in. So the, the fact is I need $500. The truth is that God is my provider. Jehovah Jireh is his name. He provides all my needs. The journey from fact to truth is a path of suffering. It's a path of suffering because those strongholds want to stay there. The suffering occurs because we, we're moving from what we see and what we believe into the truth of God's word. There's suffering, but there's joy. There's anxiety, but there's peace. And rest, and the closer and the more we insist on focusing on the truth, seeing the f- not denying the fact that I know some people do, or oh, that's not true, you know, I'm just going to believe God. The fact is there, and we move towards the truth by speaking out the truth of God's word. Now, this is a scripture. I abso- another one I just absolutely love. And I could never remember that it's verse 39. I just remember it's the last verse in Hebrews 10. It says this, But we do not belong to those who shrink back. Shrink back is a word that's used to describe a coward. And it's kind of got this notion of, while nobody's looking, I'm just going to kind of, you know, melt away into the distance. It's a cowardly act. And, and he's saying here, we don't belong to people who shrink back because that's the path of destruction. But we belong to those who have faith. Remember, we received Jesus and we continue to receive. We believe and we continue to believe. But we are the ones who have faith and are saved. But we are certainly not those who are held back by fear and perish. We are among those who have faith and experience true life, the life that Jesus said we could have, abundant life. I love that scripture and I say it to myself if I'm feeling a bit, bit pathetic. Cheryl, you're not going to shrink back on this one. You are not going to shrink back. You're going to have faith and you're going to get 
where you want to go on this one. I want to share this with you. Matthew 7. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, driven out demons in your name, done many miracles in your name? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you are banished from my presence, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. And the passion says, but I will have to say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels. I've never been joined to you. So when I was a young Christian, I read that. And my stronghold's very strong. This is what I thought. I will never make it. These people are saying, Lord, Lord. They're casting out demons. I don't even know what that is. They're doing miracles. I've never seen one, let alone do one. And they're saying, Lord, Lord, there's no hope for me. Stronghold. Believing a lie. So what do I do? My strategy is don't ever read that scripture again. <laughs> Just stay right away from it. Because it made me because of my stronghold thinking, it made me condemned. And I thought, really, if these guys are doing all that, and I, I don't even know what it means, let alone be able to do it, you know, well, I may as well just sort of give up right now. And I'm not saying I fully understand what this scripture means even now, but this is what I do understand. It's a very good demonstration of the difference between our positioning Christ and our relationship with Christ. It's a very good example. So getting back to John 1.12 to explain it, we are his children. We have been born of God. That means we have been transported, translated into the kingdom of God, right? Where we enter the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, there's a boss. It's the Trinity. It's Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They rule. They have the authority. When we enter that kingdom, we are fully and absolutely submitted to them and their will. When we do that, we gain our own delegated authority to function and to partner with what God is doing. Is that clear? That when we enter into that we enter into a relationship of love so we enter into that um that wonderful thing of father son and holy spirit always embracing us and loving us and out of that we move in authority now i had a um oh well, let's let's just go to this one I didn't show you the first two verses before. But it says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand 
cast your anxiety on him because when you are in that circle, you can let go of your fear, you can let go of your anxiety, you can let go of your condemnation because you are surrounded by love. And um, look, I'm, I'm going to tell you this and this is probably another weird thing. But um, a couple of years ago now, I was praying and I saw a picture of a medal um, like you get when you've been, like it was a war medal, you know, they people that wear, wear the medals. And I felt God say, this is your medal. But I'm like, I haven't done anything. Okay. So I ask, what does it mean? What do I have to do? Two good questions. What does it mean? This is what the Lord said to me. Cheryl, I'm giving you the medal because you've won. You've won the battle that you're going to fight. And you've got the medal. You never get a medal before the battle, right? You get a medal after the battle. I got mine before the battle. And it's God's way of saying, you have already won the outcome. The outcome is already there. There's no other outcome. You have to win. And so I engage my faith with that so that when I fight my battles... I make sure I'm confident about winning. I haven't always been confident about winning. But over the process of years of fighting the devil and fighting some of these lies in my life, comes to a point of like fight, 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 resisting the devil, being firm in what I say from God's word, getting to the point where it becomes... The lie comes in, oh, really? Really, Satan? This, like, get over yourself. That one does not work anymore. To the point where the lie actually stops and you have total victory. And we have to fight for those things. It's not just going to come by sitting down. We have to actually engage in the warfare. Um, I want to... This is the last scripture. But oh, there's so many good scriptures, aren't there? This is a, another beauty. Ephesians 3. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favour until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place or the peace of his love, will become the very source and root of your life. 
So let's just close our eyes. And um, I just want you to think about what's been said today. There'll be something there for you. And I want you to um, engage with God and just ask the question, something in your life right now that's harassing you, you can't find an answer to, you're going round and round in circles, just say, God, what does it mean? What do you want to tell me? How can I partner with you now that I haven't done before? What revelation do you want to give me out of this situation I'm in? And then it's, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm sure many of the answers will be repent. Change the way you think. Change the way you think about this situation. Change your mind from being a victim to being in victory over this situation. So I just want you to meditate for a little while on those things. Let me just pray this Ephesians prayer over you and over our church. I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and his favour until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Amen. Amen. Thanks, my Cheryl. What I love about hearing Cheryl speak is that it's a reminder that no matter how deep you've gone with certain verses or the Bible or experiences, there's still so much more you can draw out of it. And sometimes, you know, I've come across, you know, the same verse or something, I think, yeah, know that, been there, done that before. But you talk about, you know, a lot of life experience and not just, you know, years and years ago, but, you know, recent life experience, just walking down the street and things like that. And there's more things that you're still, still learning there. And there's always more from that well of God to be drawing from. And that is just such a great reminder that if our walk with God is feeling stiff or stale or stagnant or anything like that. It's not because we've hit the bottom of God's provision. It's because our minds have put a hard limit on how much we can comprehend. But yeah, opening your mind is, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, the reason I focused on those two questions is because if we don't ask questions like that, we'll ask questions like, why me? Why is this happening to me? It's not fair. Or we could say, 
instead of saying, oh, what, does it, what does this mean, God? It's like, what does this mean, God? What do I have to do now, God? You know, so like we can get into a victim mentality when things are going so wrong. And, um, but it is a journey and I just want to encourage you to embrace it. Don't be stupid about the devil. That's a nice way of saying it, I know. Don't be stupid. You know, don't be dumb. Don't think like I used to. Oh, if I leave him alone, he'll leave me. That's rubbish. It's not even in the Bible. I've never seen a verse like that. You know, like engage in the fight, but be discerning. Um, we had a pastor once who said, you know, the devil gets blamed for everything. That's ridiculous. And it is ridiculous. There's th those two extremes and we, f we have to have discernment. And we gain discernment as we start to embrace the scriptures. And we learn, that's how we learn. Hold on to the word of God. Say the word of God. Say it out aloud hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times if you have to because that's where the victory is. That's where our mind will be renewed and transformed. So when the victory's gained, it never bothers us again. You know, some of the lies I've been set free from, I look back now and I think, why the heck did I believe that? Because it doesn't even enter my mind at all anymore. And you will be able to say the same thing about yourselves right now. So it's an encouragement to persevere and not be stupid. Yeah, about the devil. Thanks, Cheryl. And thanks, everyone. Have yourselves a great week. Don't forget there's dinner next week after church. And Wednesday is apparently go day for all the home groups. <laughs> everyone, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central. <laughs>